Yeah, it's a good morning, even though it's the coldest one that I measured at our place this morning. We had seven degrees before, but this morning it didn't quite make seven degrees. So, yes, uh, it's a winter to remember, I'm sure. Um, so I was called to give the testimony by uh, Alan the other day, and I, I looked at this and I couldn't quite get my mind around giving my testimony um, once again. And yet I think the Lord has got something in mind here, and I trust that he will have his way. Um, I belong to a breakfast fellowship. We meet on a weekly basis. Um, it's quite casual. People come and they don't come. Uh, and I was asked to uh, share that morning, and I had prepared some stuff. And uh, as it was time, it's usually just for about 10 minutes or so, um, I found myself giving my testimony. I hadn't prepared for that. It came out from nowhere. So here I am, asked again to give my testimony. And I must say I was reluctant in my spirit. I said, well, my testimony, you know. I mean, my testimony is now 46 years ago that I came to the Lord. And I said, it's a long time. Um, but I, did, I was a good boy. I, I did do some homework. And uh, just a little history of where I come from and, and um, maybe how I came to the Lord. I grew up in rural Austria during the war. And uh, we had... Um, my parents, well, my father was in the war. I only met him when I was seven years old. Uh, didn't see too much of my mother. They were around working the farms and what have you. But I had a heavenly childhood um, in the forests, in the rivers, in the mountains of Austria. It was just absolutely bitter. Free, all I remember in summer, having black shorts. Uh, there was nothing else, just the black shorts. I can't remember the winters too well. Um, and I had two rules. And it was the church bell at lunchtime and in the evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, if I wasn't at the lunch table, there would be no lunch. And if I wasn't there for the church bells in the evening, there would be no dinner. So I listened to those church bells. I, was, I always got food. So, yeah, uh, I, I was blessed. Um, my education, religious education as a Catholic, came through religious instructions at school. And I remember what struck me was the commandment to honor your parents. And in church, what I remember, uh, the priest, he was old, and he usually had his eyes closed when he preached. Um, but I remember this word about if you want to keep your life, you've got to lose it. And if you lose your life, you're going to find it. And I often pondered that verse. And I didn't quite know what to do with it. I said, okay, if I want to find myself, I've got to lose it. What, do I shoot myself? What, what, how? So that didn't make any sense. Um, 19, fast forward to 1972. Um, Clifton Cassini. Catholic Church, um, he came to the Lord about a year ago and he passed me a, a cassette, tape cassette. 
Catholic Pentecostals. Uh, that was the beginning. Um, later on, we had some friends come. In fact, they came earlier. They shared about Jesus with us. Um, and I didn't understand why they would come to us. Uh, he was divorced, remarried. She was divorced, remarried. Children from each. They had children together. He was busy in the church. He was preaching. Um, anyway, they were ready to divorce again. And then they found the Lord. And they came and shared the testimony with us. And... I was fascinated. Uh, they were talking freely about Jesus. And I was wondering, why did they come to me? Why did they come to us? I mean, you know, we're good people. And uh, we go to church. And, um, and there's so many bad people out there, you know. Um, so that, that pondered it. Three years later... They invited us to come to a businessman's fellowship meeting in, in Durban. It was the Christ, Pentecost, what, what were they called? Uh, Christian Businessman's Fellowship, that's right, with Bob Trench. And uh, they had a, a group of people coming from America, businessmen, to give their testimony in South Africa. Seventy men came and they dispersed around the centers in South Africa. And those friends that came to testify, Albert and Maggie, uh, they were part of this and they really prayed, Oh God, send us the right people, send us the right guys. And uh, among those, I think it was about seven guys, was a Jesuit priest. Well, when I heard there was a Jesuit priest, I thought, Well, they're kosher, that's okay. I'll consider that. You know, you've got to understand, we uh, Catholics were right. I mean, we were the right people. If you want to be right, you had to join us. That was what I was taught, and, uh, and that was part of me. So God made sure that there was a Catholic priest and not, not all a Jesuit. So, okay. so amazing. The invite, I mean, this is the goodness of God. This is just mind-blowing. Uh, Wednesday afternoon was my afternoon off. I left at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was at the Royal Hotel, and they were teaching. They were sharing their testimonies just down the road, 40 meters down the road in the YMCA. So there's afternoon off. I go down there, and I hear those people share about Jesus Christ, how the Lord has changed them in their business. And um, it was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Catholic priest stood up and he said very briefly, uh, he was studied 14 years, he has been a priest for 14 years, and he was on the road to hell. Well, I was very glad that afternoon. Uh, the room was full. There were nuns in there, and there were priests in there, and there were... Old people and young people and fat people and thin people. Everybody was there. It was a full house. And it was a dull afternoon. And I don't wear sunglasses, but I had sunglasses. Because as I was listening to that man, I was sitting there crying. Um, telling me his story. I said, well, well, if he's on the road to hell, what chance have I got? Okay. And um, so he shared his little story. And it was an amazing story. 
that he had done nothing wrong, but he started to have wrong thoughts about women in his ministry, and he started to build barriers around himself to protect himself, and he came to a place of desperation. Uh, He says, well, either I have to leave the priesthood or I've got to kill myself. That's when he was invited to a full gospel businessman's evening in the home, a fellowship, and they had a wonderful time. They read scriptures, they sang songs, he loved it. And uh, then uh, the leader said, okay, anyone want special prayer, come out, kneel down, we'll pray for you. He was up like a shot, knelt down. And the first thing the guy said, the leader says, Father, confess your sins to your Father in heaven. Well, that finished me off. To tell a layman, to tell a priest to confess his sins in public, uh, that finished me off. So I thought, oh, my God. But he was free. He got off his knees and he was free. He never had another problem uh, with his thought life, and he carried on uh, ministering in the church. Long story, eh? But that was the beginning. Three months later, uh, the Lord had a time for me. Again, it was totally supernatural. I was on my, road, on my way home from work, and I stopped at my friend's place. Those friends, by the way, uh, he sold his business, he sold everything up, uh, and they started a mission in Albert Park called Your Neighbor's Mission, where they worked and saw to the down and outs, to the alkies and to the druggies, and they were rehabilitating them. Um, so those very people were the ones that invited us to come to those meetings, And on my way home, I found myself parking the car, knocking on his door. I had no intentions of going there. It wasn't on my mind. There I was. Well, he opened the door and he says, and those good old days, everybody knows knows me as Louis. I have since changed to my birth name. Uh, He looked at me and said, Louis, come in. Come in. And, I mean, he must have seen it written all over me. He now was telling me that we needed to be born again. And he read some scripture, and it's been about 10 minutes. And then he said, okay, uh, shall we pray? Pray is good. Catholics, we pray. So there we were in this empty lounge on our knees, and he started praying. And um, well, the long story short, I started crying because I didn't know what on earth is going on. What, what do you want? Born again? Yes, yeah, okay. it's between me and Jesus. Yes, okay. Uh, I don't need really him, do I? No, I, I can do this in the car. Uh, but I, uh, And the bag was here, and I was kneeling, and I was crying, and, and I couldn't get up and get the bag and go out. And I was in a corner. And, uh, and this is where the Lord met me. And uh, peace came over me. It was uh, just amazing. I knew that whatever had to happen had happened. Uh, you don't understand a thing, you don't know the scriptures, this new birth, whatever that is, who knows. But whatever it was, I knew it had happened. And um, from then on, um, yes, I was in business, uh, hairdressing, yes. We were very busy, yes. Uh, After that, half my customers got saved, the other half left me because everybody needed to hear the good news. So... Uh, and yes, they did. And, and it was amazing because God encouraged me amazingly. I mean, once I mentioned, uh, you know, the gospel, just that Jesus is good and what we needed to do. And 
in those good old days, we still had hair dryers, and there were a lot of people sitting there on the side having their hair dried. And she, got, she was put under the hair dryer, and the Lord is amazing. I looked up, and I looked at her face, and I saw the light come on. She had been praying there and talking to the Lord, having heard what I had said to her. And I could see, there she is, she's just done business. The Lord has just saved her. It's just amazing. And so I had amazing testimonies. Um, we, you know what you're born into, it, it, that's the natural, that's your life. After the Pentecostal, uh, Catholic Pentecostal tape from Cliff Richard, I mean from Cliff to Tessinia. <laughs> Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> Cliff Richard, I oh, know, Cliff Tessinia. Uh, the next tape that I got after I was born again was from Derek Prince about hindrances and deliverances. And it was his recording where he went first public in an American hotel with 2,000 people preaching and teaching on uh, Christians can have demons and they need to, to be delivered. So I grew up that it was absolutely natural that Christians would have demons and if there's a problem, well, get delivered. If you can't stop smoking, well, get delivered. If you can't, well, get delivered. So for the next three years, it was deliverance. We had cottage meetings. And then it was just flat out. I remember one night, we prayed for a couple all night long. And uh, we lost count after 70 demons that had left this particular guy. And some of it was traumatic stuff. But having been held by the hand by my tutors in those days, which was all on, on, on tapes, um, this is the issue where the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light meet. And it shows the superiority of the kingdom of light. Okay. You come in the name of Jesus and the devil will have to bow. Um, and, and this was part of what was going on in my life in those days. Of course, you work during the day and used to work hard. Usually you used to have the morning tea at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, it hardly ever got to lunch. So we really worked. And then uh, having children, yes, married, and by then we had four children. Um, you can't do it, burning and a candle on, on all hands. Um, and, of course, in those days, uh, it was the heyday of the charismatic movement here in South Africa. There was truth upon truth upon truth and upon truth. It was just so exciting. And... The truth that got me then was ultimately, I must, I, must, I must rewind a little bit. Because God, right in the very early days, he gave me words. And in the very early days, we, it was November, it's 1972, that I got saved. There was the first charismatic Catholic uh, meeting at the cathedral 
uh, in February, we had an Australian come out and they arranged a um, get-together at Quinonia in Hillcrest. And this was the first time I met Jonathan at the A-framed house in McKeesey Road. Um, and I remember in his Sunday morning meeting, the Lord gave me a word about, I, I didn't know the Bible, but gave me a word about why you're worrying about the speck in your brother's eyes when you carry the log. Um, wonderful. Absolutely right. And I think the revelation that God gave me then was, how can you see a speck if you carry a log? You've got a log, is a speck. Okay. And I thought, well, actually, you're so familiar with your log that you smell the speck in your brother's eyes. Um, and, of course, all you see is the speck. You don't see your own log. Um, at the same time, somebody called Larry Christensen, um, who wrote several books, and I looked him up yesterday, he's still alive. Um, he was talking about repentance to me because God had spoken to him about repentance. He was on a, on a mission in Germany and he was at the Marian sisters and his room was number seven and all his little slips that they left for him for this weekend had to do with repentance. And he was teaching about empathetic repentance. What does that mean is that the mistake you see in someone around you, come before the Lord, ask him to search you, and you'll find the very same thing in you. So God tells me about the speck, and then he brings empathetic repentance. Do you, do you think he was talking to me? <laughs> do you think he was talking to me? My goodness me. And the other scripture I think that was very real to me in those days was this whole thing about not worrying about tomorrow. Don't worry, said Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the answer. That's the answer to your worry. And if I look back over 46 years of walking with the Lord, that's the self that will do those things. It will judge and it will worry. And just the other day I read uh, in Romans 2. How can you judge your brother? Don't you know? You're judging and you're doing the same thing. Don't you know you're cursing yourself? <laughs> That's what it says. Read it. Don't you know that it's the... Are you despising the tolerance, the kindness, and the patience of your God who leads you towards repentance. My goodness me. I must recap. This is not complimentary, but it concerns all of us that call ourselves sheep. Are we the sheep of the Lord? Yes. Have you got a shepherd? Yes. Long before I got saved, I think I was probably 21, um, drove a sports car. 
MGA, what? Spoke wheels. And exploring, because I mean, I came from Austria and all I knew that there was somebody who employed me to be a hairdresser in Durban. It could have been in the south of China, but I came because there was a connection. So I came. Anyway, we had this car, we took an outing <clears throat> in the Chanticleer Hotel, yes. In those days, it was the, the small hotel. And down the road, you travel a small road, and there's a big bank where the road was cut out. And there we stopped, uh, and I was sort of level with the, with the bank, with the grass. And there were the sheep. And the sheep were interested in who this guy was, so they came down. And, uh, and then there was one sheep that, through the fence, it sort of looked at me straight, probably a meter away. And I looked at this, and I looked in those eyes. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Empty. And the law calls us sheep. Isn't that interesting? It certainly applies to me. When I look back, oh my gosh. I had no other than somebody called Hammond, uh, American prophet, tell me that the Lord has to put a drill on me to get it into me. Um... And his word was spot on. Um, and the Lord's been faithful. And he's been drilling. <laughs> and he's getting it into me. And slowly, slowly. But I keep going back to those very first scriptures that God has actually given me. And to be honest with you, since this has become, you know when you get desperate in life and things just don't add up? You've got all the right formulas, and you, you're working them. But it's not, nothing happening. The, the, what comes out the other side is, is just not happening. But God is good. He just doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. He's got you by the hand, and he will lead you, and he's so patient, and he leads you towards repentance. This is not free of charge, but this is what God is saying to the church now. If you haven't arrived in your spiritual walk, if you haven't arrived and you aren't where you know God wants to take you or is taking you, you're not going to get there until you repent. Now, we don't, you see, and this is a problem here. Now the teacher is coming out here. We get told that repentance means turn around. That's not right. That's not what that word means. We hope that because we repent, we'll turn around. But turning around is, is the result of changing your mind. You start thinking differently about your situation. 
If you don't start thinking differently and you expect different results, well, we know the story. But you see, we are sheep, hey? Sorry, uh, definitely I'm a sheep. So, and what I found over the years is the enemy, he can't stop, he cannot stop a zealot. He'll never be so stupid to try and stop a zealot. He'll push him harder. He's not going to push a phlegmatic. He'll just say, no, sit quietly, it's okay, it's fine. Don't get up, don't ruffle the, th- just it's okay. So we he'll play into your natural disposition. Okay. So he will do the best with someone that's sanguine and choleric and all those fancy things. Push you harder. And what he will attempt to do is that you miss out the first step. There's no time for the first step. We are getting on with the business. But the trouble with faith is there will be no faith until repentance is in place. Because the natural self is so, so absorbed with itself. And it is just as the scripture says. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's incurably sick. Who can know it? Only God knows that heart. You do the best things in life, you have yourself burned on the stake, and it's all for selfish reasons. Hello? And our life, once we're born again, has become spiritual. We were dead in the natural realm. We're blind, in darkness. He comes, he opens our eyes, and he transfers us into the spiritual realm. But for us, it's business as usual. We'll carry on, we'll work hard, we'll go through all the program, we tick the boxes, and then you're surprised one day when your wife is gone. And your family is in ruins. Well, I've got good news. God doesn't give up on us. And he never, never, never tests you beyond what you are able to handle. He's prepared you for it. He will not give you something that you can't handle the way you will break. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. So that's why he says, Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. And that's why he says, don't worry. God, do you, do, do you know what's going on right now? Do, do you know what's going on? And you say, don't worry? <laughs> Hallelujah. Is he a sadist? Or does he know what he's talking about? Has he got a plan? Oh, hallelujah, he's got a plan. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. So we try, we do the second step before we do the first step. You can talk about faith till you're blue in the face. 
if there's not a softness in you, a willingness to learn, a willingness to change, a willingness to change, your faith isn't going to help you. It's not going to help you. And it's in that situation that you need to be objective and honest with the Word. Look at the Word. The Word is a mirror. Where's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. I think it was as little as probably 18 months ago. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, please forgive me. That long face, day after day, a long face. This is wrong and that should be better and why is this care and oh my gosh and then oh my Lord look at this. How can they say this? And you know I think for a parent who does everything for their children and the children have a long face God is strong. God is strong. He's handling the weaknesses of all of us. By the way, this is how you measure your strength, by how much weakness you can carry from the people around you. I got stuck in 1973. It's very interesting, actually. It, it was amazing. God, the revelation that... Poured out, the spirit was poured out. Revelation over revelation, revelation. 1973, there was a conference in Geneva. Christian scientists, Zionists met to see how they could support Israel, how to handle afforestation, how to do economically, how they could uh, encourage. Um, uh, um, tourism, etc., etc. Uh, a year later, Basil Jacobs in Cape Town started a branch of Christian Action for Israel. That's what it was called. And I don't know how I got in touch with it, but I managed to, I don't know, I did, and I mentioned it to the elders of, of Sarepta, and they said, bring him in, and we brought him in, and there you are. That's the result of it. It all happened in 1974 where the elders totally bought into that we have a debt to Israel. And they accepted it and they have been paying the debt ever since. And I think that's just wonderful. That happened then. Um, that actually was in 1975. Uh, 77, so I was born again in 72. 77, uh, met Jonathan at the A-framed house. From there, we met at um, a lady's house in Winston Park. We had our Sunday services there. Then there came a split from the assemblies because uh, Christians can't have demons, uh, definitely not. So you're a heretic, so we can't uh, you know, uh, meet together. And um, that's free of charge very quickly. If somebody repents and really repents, 
because they really want to give up smoking, but they can't give up smoking, the eldership then will turn around and say, well, you've never been saved. Oh, yes. And this is not new. That's not new. And it's still going on today. It's gone on all along. See? Now, that's tragic. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. So, uh, 77, I was asked to, to join the eldership with, uh, with then the church at Asagai. And uh, 83, the marriage broke. Uh, I stepped down from eldership. Oh, my gosh. Uh, your family is in tatters. What are you doing trying to um, rule the church? So off I went. And from there, this was church number one. Church number two was Christian Hillcrest Christian Fellowship. Um, that's where we went to. From there, we went down to um, Glenridge. That was in '87. In 90, we went to VFC, 93 to Hillside, and Hillside, 17 years, also on eldership eventually. And uh, here, then we went from there, it was in 2009, the Pinetown HCC. So you see, if you look at me, you've got a church hopper uh, all the way hopping. And now, believe it or not, 2016, back in Sarepta, and that's church number seven. How is that? <laughs> Must be right, eh? Must be right. Okay. Must be right. All right. I think I'm just about done. I think I am done. I think I am done. South Africa, thank you for praying. I believe, I believe. God has the hidden ones. There are intercessors. Hallelujah. And just yesterday I read about Rhys Howells, Second World War in England. And I just pick up on this, where he to his own intercessors. They were, England was outnumbered four to one on the, on the fighter planes. Um, only one reason why Hitler never won the war is because there were intercessors. They were praying. And uh, one day, old Rhys House spoke to his intercessors and he said to them, doubt, misery, and worry is something the Holy Spirit doesn't know. When you're conscious of worry, when you're conscious of negativity around you, no, it comes from self. It comes from the enemy. And there's one antidote, and that's to rejoice. What do we rejoice in? We rejoice in his promises. We rejoice in his goodness. We rejoice in his presence. We rejoice that he's got an answer. We rejoice in the fact that he has a plan. And it's a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. He's got a plan to give us a hope in the future. And when we intercede, we intercede for the land. We intercede for the people of this land. We intercede for those that can't intercede for themselves. They can't pray for themselves. And that's what God is. That's, I believe, how God is going to save South Africa. 
there are the men there. I believe the manpower is there. I believe God has got his people. And uh, if you're not an intercessor, you're a prayer. And you can pray for the intercessors, that God will keep them strong, that he will surround them with his favor as with a shield, and that God will have the glory. God will have what he wants to have. We know that he wants a revival. He wants that. He's spoken about this long, long time ago. He wants it. And he's looking to us to believe him and to say, yes, Lord, we are there. We believe you. And we will turn negativity around in daily life. Turn it around when you're conscious of it. I said to the Lord, also the last few years, I said, God, please give me an early warning system. Let the yellow lights flash when I go down. When I suddenly become all depressed and you're full of blinking self-pity. And it's all hidden. It's subconscious. It's just there. And God is doing that. He answers our prayers. Praise God. Because he wants us to live in a freedom. He wants us to live in his peace. In repentance and rest. Is your salvation. Where's the rest? Well, if there's not the rest, what have we got to do? Change your mind. Praise God. It's God's goodness that will give you that change. He'll give you a new thought. Praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Have I arrived? No. But recently also had a word that God is about restoration. Isaiah 61. Shall we read it? And then finish. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's you and me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Yes. To proclaim freedom to the captives. Yes. And release from darkness. And release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now we'll carry on. We'll be brave in the day of vengeance of our God. That's also coming. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. That's for you and me. Hello. That's God's will for us. A garment of praise. That's what he wants us to wear. Praise him. Instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. That's you. And planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's God's heart for his kids. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. And restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That's our God. And he's busy doing it. And you know we're all invited to have a part of that. Can I pray?
Lord God, you're amazing. And we want to give you the glory this morning and the honor. Lord, your word says, don't think too highly of yourself. Be patient, be kind, be generous. And above all, love keeps no records of wrong. And Lord, this morning we want to celebrate you because you're the God of love. And that's the gospel. Once we confess our shortcomings, you keep no records of wrong. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you, we thank you, thank you. Thank you for the liberty that you want us to walk in. And who, who is able to do that? Lord, only you by your Spirit. Only you by your Spirit in us. We trust you for that. We ask you for that. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.